0: On this episode of The Saltwater Stories, I sit down with my neighbor and diver, Brendan Burke. We explore his extensive history and recreational diving throughout California, how he came to such a career, and where it has led him now, among many other ventures, such as Deccan for Horizon Charter's Guadalupe Great White Shark Diving Expeditions. Born and raised in LA with rich Irish roots, we touch on oceanic Irish history and how Brendan hopes to take his diving experiences and marine knowledge to Ireland's youth one day. So, Brendan, welcome to the Saltwater Stories. Thank you.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited, too. A lot of the local homies, so I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and on the note for everyone that's listening in or watching, um, Brendan and I live on the same street, so um, what's really funny is we've swapped stories, boat stories of sorts, and just ocean stories. Um, I used to work on a yacht for a very, very small amount of time, but you have worked on many boats. Dive Master. Yes. Just an ocean man from, like, (laughs) a very simply put way. Um, But kind of getting and jumping in, um, something I'm curious about is that you were born and raised in L.A., correct? Yes. Um, So what is the origins or foundations of, like, how you've gotten into the ocean world?
1: Um, I feel very lucky on this topic, actually. Um, Growing up in L.A. was a little bit different than how my dad grew up. He's from Ireland, so we didn't have the things accessible he did growing up, and so I feel like seeing it through my dad's eyes growing up in LA. I just wanted to take advantage of it. All around me, I saw surfing, sailing, fishing, and but what I was raised around was soccer, mm. horseback riding. But to me, what was was unique and just legendary. You just hear about these na- my neighbors or local people doing these insane things that I didn't grow up seeing as normal or average. It really inspired me, and I feel very lucky. Where I grew up was very unique, and I got to see that. I got to be inspired by it, and then allowed me to attain it in a certain direction.
0: Amazing. So in a lot of ways, it was um, the nuance of it, like the... Like, oh my gosh, this is a kind of a new territory, a new world. Yes. And that's what kind of sparked the kind of motivation towards yes. towards um, the unknown. That
1: was the original kind of mystery fact to it, where I just wanted to learn to surf. You yeah. know, that wasn't something common in my family.
0: But um, your mom, now you mentioned mom, your mom. My has. mom did yeah. surf. Now, when I was
1: young, it wasn't common thing. But yeah. she did surf, and she inspired me to surf. She talked about it, her favorite thing, just sitting out past the break on the board. You know, one of the times we first went to Hawaii together was just me and my mom and paddled out. Oh. You know, and like, it's just special. Like, I don't remember riding any waves. Yeah. But we paddled out and sat out there. That's what I remember.
0: Now, was she someone that took you out surfing for your first surf?
1: Not really, no. No, okay. my first surfing was a board out of the dumpster and <laughs> paddling out during the summer or weekends when I had time. And then most of it was actually Baja.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah you mentioned. My family mentioned. camped in Baja. Mm.
1: But, sorry, again, ADHD a little bit, but to backtrack more to that inspiration and direction for the ocean, um, my granny probably had to be the biggest influence for that for me. Interesting. Uh, my grandparents lived in Dana Point. Okay. And by living there and being so involved in my youth and my, my growth, I... Um, it really pushed me into the ocean and I feel very lucky to say that. I uh, went to Dana Point Marine Institute every summer. Yeah you know with my granny, that was my week with my granny mm. and we'd go to the Marine Institute and that was camp ocean camp. you know I actually do that professionally right now what I do for ki- what I did as a kid I do yeah. that pretty much professionally right now. and I love it. If I could do it and make a career out of it, I would do it. I love teaching.
0: So you uh, love working with kids, and that's yes. why you currently. And I think actually, because what you wrote down and you sent me, you do a couple of things with kids, which is yes. Sea Camp San Diego and Emerald Bay Boy Scout Marine Science Center. Yes. Um, so is a lot of that coming from the inspiration of your own childhood and youth with your granny? One hundred percent. And Dana Point, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh yeah. My
1: mom was also a horseback riding instructor. Mm-hmm. My dad was a soccer coach. You know, so you're passing down passing down knowledge and skill. And uh, also, my mom was a rec major, a recreation administration major. Oh, cool. So I initially wanted to be a marine biologist. Um, mm. It's a very hard major, if anyone doesn't know. <laughs> uh, <it didn't laughs> did you really attempt? Work. I did attempt okay. for a while. Uh, I have to admit, I was uh, doing sports at the same time. Yeah. And it's really hard to dedicate to a biology degree when you're traveling, when you're training. Uh, and you can you can do both these things. I've met many people that are incredibly smart and talented, but it was far hard for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a whole different it's a whole different beast. I get it. Oh, oh man. Yeah.
1: But uh, no, it was it was uh, I found a passion for it, and I went in recreation administration. Okay. And that allowed me to do anything essentially. So coaching, uh, leadership. Uh, it, it brought me to Catalina Island, where that I first was teaching Boy Scouts uh, marine science and then scuba diving so
0: yeah so you kind of and i think you mentioned that you did a minor in diving at humboldt yes. state as well yep. um what did that look like in regards to because you said you also got a degree in rec yes so how i'm just curious also about that minor oh, yeah. like no, what did you get to do a lot conversation okay let's do it i am i mean that's why we're here right
1: yeah oh yeah <laughs> um yeah, no, at my university, we, at Humboldt State, sorry, mm-hmm. Humboldt State University, it's actually changed now to Cal Poly Humboldt,
0: out uh, full. I actually did not know that. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's really cool. We're
0: <laughs> Californian here. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah, I know, and <laughs> when people say NorCal, I go, okay, like, proper NorCal, or where you think is NorCal, because uh, okay. Humboldt is, what, six to eight hours north of San Francisco, something like
0: that. I, okay, yeah, that puts California, that in pretty yeah. perspective. Yeah, California's massive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh.
1: yeah. Um, so by the end of it, I had taken so many random classes. Yeah, I took college for a little bit, for a little while. And um, I was able to ta- uh, design my own major. I did a self-designed hmm. major at my university through recreation administration. Now hmm. with that, you could s- pick specialties and kind of go in that direction and mold a degree around it. Wow. Uh, I felt very lucky because that yeah. was really cool. It was great for me because I found a way to make college fun.
0: Yeah, I, you get to I, choose I found, what you want like, to learn. Yeah
1: found that the cheat code I to <laughs> say without I don't like using the word cheat but I was camping and teaching scuba diving every weekend for my final years of college as wow. a as a grad like like my final couple of years where other people were studying in the library in the lab every day
0: that's incredible and but that worked for you oh, it did. so it's not Hands cheating on. i think you just no, no, found exactly. what, what worked for you
1: and it allowed me to go where i am now
0: yeah. So were you, so it sounds like very hands-on to get yes. that degree. And so essentially it sounds like you were doing trips as well.
1: Yeah. So uh, at Humboldt state, uh, the closest water or entry points on the ocean are pretty gnarly, pretty extreme, yeah, pretty I mean, heavy I mean, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So the safest place that we would train or teach or even do fun recreation diving was Fort Bragg. So okay. almost two hours South. Yeah, And we would go camping because we are college students, couldn't afford a, yeah. a motel. every. Bring
0: every a can of beans, you got dinner. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We
1: had that Subway sandwich that lasted a weekend, you know, a really long one.
0: I can't do that. I eat it all at once. Yeah. <laughs> I, that would never work for me. That's good. But, I like that. But I'm glad you made that work. Yeah. Once nice.
1: I discovered Jetpoil, that was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. How that, cool. That was a game changer. But no, it was really cool. It was hands-on. Uh, I got to discover the rest of California. I grew up in Southern California. So that was really fun yeah. for me to experience true California and experience the rest of the Pacific Northwest.
0: And what, so essentially, when was your first time diving? When did you decide you even wanted to go into this degree? Because was this more of a earlier years or was this just happened chance with oh, Humboldt State that's University? A great question.
1: Um, it kind of ended up happening. It was always a curiosity of mine. And then I just kept going after it and it led mm. me here so um, if i wouldn't be here if those things didn't happen yeah so sometimes i i question but at the same time i'm stoked to be here where i am yeah so yeah i, I wasn't able to dive when i was on the soccer team at humboldt liability really and i really wanted to it was mm. something i always wanted to do i always thought maybe being an underwater photographer would be like a really fun job really cool dreamy kind of like a uh a surf photographer. You know, you still yeah. travel, still see the same waves, still do all the same stuff. Sure. But you're behind the camera.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, on the side when you're taking your, like, little lunch break. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're still riding the
1: same break. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, but um, I ended up taking more certifications than planned. So mm-hmm. every year, the group of people I was tr- diving with, like, hey, let's take the next cert. Like, why? I got, I got what I thought I was going to get. I got the two certifications I needed. Nah, this one, this one's going to be cool.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: We, we went to the next one, rescue scuba diving. So we got certified to rescue others. The next semester, you guys want to do scientific Scientific scuba diving? Yeah. That sounds rad. <laughs> Identify size fish underwater. Awesome. Sign me up. And yeah. you get certified to work underwater because you're trained to work. Yeah. It just kept going and going until I was a dive master and then I was teaching the classes. Epic. It was
0: awesome. Now you did research as well. You mentioned um, the Galapagos. Yes. Right. What was, so what was the research with that?
1: Uh, that was a cool opportunity through my high school and collaboration with my local community college, which is, I forgot the name of it. It's changed now, but Palos Verdes High School.
0: Mm, in LA. Beautiful. And, uh, oh, Marymount, Marymount okay. College. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, they work together and they will send students to the Galapagos through the high school with credits through the college. Um, and it's a scientific research trip opportunity. Uh, we learn about the, the our archipelago, the different biospheres, and how everything has ev- evolution and how it's evolved to where it is now. And we get to just dis- dis- find an animal or choose an animal to study and then find it in its natural habitat and then write a whole report about it. Thanks. And every, Like... it. Everything to do around it, you know, finding the animal, to its island it's living on, to mm. moving around the waters it's on. I chose a bird, so I'm a bird nerd sometimes.
0: Interesting. Yeah. But that's neat. Got the frigate. That's it, what I frigate.
1: The frigate, friggin' frigate.
0: <laughs> friggin' frigate.
1: Friggin' uh, frigate. frigate. Uh, <laughs>
0: we got to bring out the Irish accent a little <laughs> bit more heavy here.
1: Okay, it'll come out. Um, the great and magnificent frigate, there beautiful go. bird, the pirate bird is nicknamed. <laughs> don't even touch water. They harass other birds till they I throw
0: know. it. They're really? Take it
1: and still don't touch water. Wow. Savage. Yeah, <laughs>
0: totally savage. <laughs> That's too funny. So, but sounds like you're doing another thing, which is like really experiential learning for yourself through that research. Oh, yeah. Which is great. I actually don't think we have enough of that, no. honestly, with our youth. So it's neat that you've that you have almost sounds like you happened upon all of these like experiential learning and just kind of kept going with it and yeah how neat and are now translating it into working not only just with kids but you actually do a lot of other things um like i can we'll list them so let's list them (laughs) um you do abalone diving spear fishing. i I
1: used to do abalone diving it's now closed officially it's now closed okay um but it's good to protect the animal
0: yeah
1: um but Up in Northern California, it was still open as a fishery to hunt. Uh, But unfortunately, the animal wasn't doing great. So it was the fishery. I don't know if it's forever. Okay. But as a fellow scientist and local enthusiast, I I understand the protection. So I'm stoked that it's going down. I I miss out on the culture. But,
0: culture, what do you mean by that?
1: Just Just like any hunting culture or collective, when you go out as a group, Fishing, go out fishing today with the with uh, your friends for the weekend. Mm -hmm. When you come home, a lot of times you do a cookout. Yeah, you share Mm. the things that you got from the earth together, and you share either knowledge on cooking or stories over talking about everything, and it's just a gathering of awesomeness, essentially. Yeah, and I didn't grow up with a lot of that. Uh, Yeah, and so at Humboldt, when I first started abalone diving with the with the Humboldt State Dive Team and other students, we would have an ab fry. We'd, we'd all have a cookout. Really? Take turns, line up on the tables, out prep it all, just have a feast. Nice. Stories, ride right on the beach. You're like,
0: so yeah. cool. <laughs> I think it's like nice to have these moments of like community or culture, like you said, yes. that um, I think that one's like very tribal, uh, has a tribal kind of. Yes. Um, background to that as to why we're like yeah like we got food and we're gonna like cook it and then talk about it
1: yeah
0: yeah (laughs) pat each other on the back and then do it again (laughs) um but no there's something special i mean even you know in other standpoints like whether you know you're a surfer and you go out and you're like swapping stories about waves and it's like even backpackers i i hike and camp and stuff like that but it's like there's something about sharing stories Yes. kind of what we're doing here on this podcast but mm-hmm. it's just like it's beautiful when you've experienced them together and then to kind of have this like debrief where you're just like you know you're just getting to talk about it we yes. just it's our passion so i think that it's um yeah it's neat that there's all these like subcultures even yes. with just abalone exactly. um, diving yeah something
1: i felt lucky to get taught yeah and then something i would love to pass down to my future generations my sure. future minions one day hopefully yeah. so i i i felt special getting that opportunity and just thought it was so cool and would love to continue to pass it down. Yeah. You know? So.
0: Neat. But I bet you're not doing that currently, which makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah. It's,
1: it's closed down. Of course. Um, but I just did lobster. I just did the lobster opener.
0: Very lobster nice. Season. How did that go?
1: Oh, very well. <laughs> I got limits.
0: You got limits. That
1: means you can get seven a day.
0: And so you did that.
1: Yep. I have 21.
0: <laughs> you got the limit. Got so the this limit. was just for yourself, right? You didn't yeah. take people out, but you so do that sometimes. I did do that. Okay. So I
1: took them out on the boat on the first. We went out to the Channel Islands, nice. like San Clemente. Yeah. And I uh, did some lobster diving. And so on my break, I get to go in. There you go. And I did fun. I had fun.
0: I had fun. Very good. <laughs> um, and then you're also doing a bunch of other things. And that's where I was like, okay, we're bringing out the list. <laughs> yeah. But... You do spearfishing or lobster diving, um, but you've done a lot of dive, like you live aboard dive trips, Malibu, um, dive master in Catalina, teaching scuba, Um, water horse, charters, dive master, deckhand, horizon charters, dive master, deckhand, horizon charters, Guadalupe, great white, shark diving, deckhand. It's a lot. Yes. It's great. Yes. Um, What's your favorite?
1: Um, That's tough. I love sharks. Okay.
0: It is tough. (laughs)
1: But when it comes down to it, I really like the shark trips we do. So yeah. We're one of the only American boats that go leaves from California to Guadalupe Island to go cage diving with great white sharks.
0: Yeah. Uh, Spooky.
1: Incredible experience. Very humbling. Mm. Very humbling. You're not going to an aquarium to look at an animal. You are the aquarium, and that animal is checking you out and looking inside your soul
0: whoa yeah. honestly i've never even thought about it that way but um slightly got chills so <laughs> so and uh, can you kind of walk us through that experience now are you also going in the cage then yes okay yeah. so yeah what does this look like because i mean i obviously have shared you my great white yes. <laughs> story of seeing it preach in front of me while surfing and i yes. was like practically shit myself yes, when it happened a- that's gnarly. <laughs> but it really is. But um, but walk me through kind of like you're choosing to go into, like, and there's lots of great whites, right? I mean, yeah. I can't even fathom this, but yeah, walk me through it.
1: So uh, it's a five-day trip. We spend three days anchored on Guadalupe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to stay in one place. We don't even lift anchor and move around. We stay in one place. What we'll do is we'll drop two cages in, and we'll tie them to the back of the boat. We have a swim step designed for scuba diving. So it's really easy. Nice walk right in. Uh, We have two cages. Each cage is about 12 feet long. So it's a total of 24 feet in length. We can fit uh, four divers in each. And we'll also have a scuba instructor in there for the new people. Okay. So you don't have to have any scuba experience to do this. Mm -hmm. Because the system is called hookah. Now the hookah just means it is connected to the system on open or free flow. And so you don't have to worry about timing or how much air intake you've had like a scuba tank. Yeah. So it's very nice for new people and also professional photographers mm. and enthusiasts to just sit and enjoy. There's no time restriction.
0: Wow. It's special. It is very special. And so with no time restraint, I mean, what's what's the typical amount of time people are kind of just hanging out does it take a while to have great whites come up do they even get close
1: varies so Mm. sometimes they're up bright early in the morning but we like to think they sleep in a little
0: okay yeah Um, i mean don't we all exactly
1: (laughs) there's always a few guys i want to jump in and take advantage of every moment so they'll get in i'm still opening my eyes and i'll let them in the cage right we'll put the cages in and put them in and i'm still opening my eyes and sometimes i see them sometimes they don't I think they're napping still. It's dark down there still. Yeah. Like, nah, not
0: yet. Not yet. Give them some time, man.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Now, have you ever had any kind of precarious, um, precarious situations with, uh, great whites in this, like when you're down there, has there ever been a moment when you're like, shit's kind of hitting the fan or there's a moment of like fear that you guys have had to react or something's happening in these?
1: I think that's a, a question a lot of other people want to know or everyone always wants to know. (laughs) We want to know. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I've been very lucky. Uh, The team I work with is very professional. I've been doing it for almost 20 years or over 20 years. Uh, So from my point of view, nothing has gone away. Now I do hear behind-the-scenes stories Mm. where something's gone wrong. We've had to fix it, like a crew jumping in the water. No one jumps in the water in Guadalupe. No. No one. You're not allowed to dive out of a cage, anything. Wow. So it's just very interesting hearing some of these stories. But for me, the scariest thing I saw was a guy pretty much crawl out of the cage for a selfie. My stomach.
0: (laughs) What do you mean you (laughs) Uh, crawled out of a cage?
1: The smaller dude was trying to get a selfie with the shark behind him. And there's a gap for cameras.
0: Stop.
1: And he was thin enough to where he (sighs) just, you know, first he stuck his head out. Then he stuck his shoulders out. And then he that his whole, his whole body oh, out. I, I was looking at him like,
0: ah! <laughs> no. That's me. horrible. Yeah. Things people do for selfies, really. Oh, I know. That's, yeah. that, that probably.
1: Selfies are more dangerous it's like right than up there.
0: Wait. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're doing one, trying to get out of a cage <laughs> with a great way behind you, I think that wins. <laughs> That's exactly. horrifying. I guess he's not quite as, um, fear driven. So there's that, but, um. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, and talking about kind of the fear of maybe something going wrong with cage, yeah. you know, in the cage with the great whites, has there, for you just specifically and like all your experiences in the ocean, have you, what's like kind of been maybe something that stands out as one of your greater experiences of having fear in the water?
1: Yeah. Um, I have been surfing or free diving, even just swimming, uh, by myself mm. or separated from a group. Yeah. And you get those feelings or what we call sharky waters. There's a reason you feel that. Yeah. You might not see them. But they see you or they sense you. Yeah. Especially with their extra sense, the ampelay of Lorenzini. They can sense your electric pulse or electric release. They know you're there. Um, fear for me will still have to be when I was filming Orcas. Hmm. Off of Anacapa Island. Uh, we came across a small pod, and uh, the captain asked me to go up on the bow with the camera on like pretty much a pool cleaning pole. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and stick it in the water. Magical experience because it was such a small pod that we actually interrupted classroom time. And the two young calves came up to us, and they knew exactly what the camera was. They could see the reflection, so they're like turning their heads.
0: They're getting their selfie. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I look, my hair looks good today. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> uh, they were doing the bubble wall up to the camera, showing off their new skills, hmm. doing some tail flaps. Then they started spy hopping.
0: And what is this? So I spy hopping is. <laughs> is
1: when a orca will actually go nose up full out of the water and he's looking. So it will kick straight up out of the water. Hmm. Kind of like a water polo player.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like doing that. the egg beater. Yeah, yeah, the egg yeah. Beater. yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So they're doing an egg beater. And what they'll do is they'll actually look on top of icebergs to see if there are seals. Huh. It's like one of the original things It was it's a habit they do. Wow. So they'll do it in other cases and they'll, they'll actually show it now in the new sea world uh, shows. They mm-hmm. show a lot of natural uh, behaviors, which is really cool. They'll make them do things or have them do things that are uh, in their natural environment, which is way better than jumping through a f- hoop on fire.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> but do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do
1: something <laughs> what you're designed for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but my toes were hanging over the rail. I was leaning over, and when they spy hop, you realize how much power and intelligence they had, and they were not far away from me. Yeah. And I'm probably twelve feet off the water. You know, and that and then the adult came by, its dorsal fin was at least seven feet
0: long. Wow. Just
1: the dorsal fin.
0: That's almost <laughs> as tall as you are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Exactly. Very tall, very long. So it was a very humbling experience. I like that word, uh, humbling. Absolutely. But uh, I was asked to go out on the bow spread just to try and get a better photo. And I was so nervous. I was shaking. I, The, the access they had, the knowledge, they were just too good at what they do. They, I was nervous.
0: Yeah, I think it's humbling. I mean, the ocean's humbling, right? But I think um, there's those moments where you realize, like, you're in someone else's territory, yes. you know, and it's just like, yes. yeah they have so much capability and senses and ability to kind of do what they're naturally supposed to do. And you, you just feel that. And you're just oh. like, literally you feel like the fish out of water. Yes. Um, yes. and yeah, I think that that definitely brings a lot of fear, um, in those moments. And it's funny that you said, um, before about when, you know, though, like even though we're not necessarily, you know, designed to be in the water as our like habitat, mm-hmm. um, that we have this sense that there's sharky waters. Like, can mm-hmm. you elaborate on that? Cause yeah. I feel that. And I've had moments where you'll hear a lot of surfers, for example, talk about it. And then there was like, I don't know, maybe an instant, like right after where there was a shark attack yes. or, you know, any sharky other kind of, of hearing proof.
1: Words like Do you, the tax man. Whoa, the <laughs> tax man's here. Whoa,
0: yeah, whoa. Exactly.
1: And the man in the suit, where's he at? Yeah. You know? Um, Just like how, when you go check out a surf spot, there's things you're looking for. Yeah. Swell direction, wind, you know, even the sun. Ah, sun's not out. I'm not going out there. I know. Oh, We're in
0: San Diego. We're not sheesh, used to that. <laughs> Shish.
1: trying to tan today. I'm not trying to freeze. Exactly. Um, only in Ireland.
0: <laughs> only in Ireland. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but you start noticing these things. They're just cues. They're little, little, little giveaways. So even bad visibility. Hmm. It's not just bad visibility for you. It's bad visibility for the shark as well, so that's where a lot of misidentification can happen.
0: Hmm, okay. When
1: you know these things, you start thinking about it. You know, so um, bad visibility can come with a lot of things: uplift currents or upswell, bringing things from the deep. What else is it bringing up from the deep? All right. Yeah. There's always cause and effect in the science. It's not just fucking happening (laughs) it's not just coming out of nowhere
0: well it's good to know but i guess i need to know my science a little bit better well
1: i mean i think anyone that's done any form of school uh, certification training uh uh, what's it called uh being an assistant Mm -hmm. you learn skills you notice these things so by learning and being aware you can learn these new things
0: yeah. I actually, I mean, something that's been neat with just my own experience in the ocean is just, I call it data building. Cause yes. like even just trying to understand how to catch a wave, like when you're learning to surf, like there's so much data that's being built and like how you're reading the wave. So I can see that in regards to just like Marine life in general and understanding your coastscapes a lot better. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think there's maybe it's like part of the like um, ethereal, like spiritual side of it where i'm just like oh is it just like a feeling is that part of our like animalistic side that just like picks up on it ourselves or is there a lot more like conscious awareness and like this is the data that i'm i'm picking up on and therefore i'm feeling spooked or is there i don't know i i still slightly believe in that like kind of that gut or intuition or instinctual with you yeah
1: 100 there's there is that natural feeling that natural instincts you have we're all still some form of animal. I know yeah. a lot of us are turning into robots. A lot of us are still animals out here. <laughs> um, yes, you have that natural instinct. Brendan,
0: you're, you're it. You're the last one. <laughs> <be> the last <laughs> How does it one. feel?
1: <laughs> oh no, that's sad. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> there's at least a little more than just you. But I'm kidding. I uh, hope no, I so. Like that. <laughs> um,
1: but no, I think I think there is that spiritual feel that maybe it's not that there's a shark there. Yeah, but it's not a good time to paddle out. Yeah. It could be for many reasons.
0: or Unexplainable, too.
1: Unexplainable, yeah. spiritual, intense, unseen. Yeah. But why force it? What's yeah. the rush? We do these things, one, for passion, one, because it's connected to us, and, and three, maybe we're good at it. But you're not just going to go out there... On a bad day, on a bad juju, all the signs are bad, bad currents, bad wind, you know, no one else on the water today. Why is that? I know. I didn't check the news. I didn't, I didn't see anyone in the parking lot say anything. Why?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it can, it can be many reasons. And I think as we are gaining knowledge or gaining skill, we can notice that more and more, not just through surfline. You know, yeah. I think not just he said through, it was going to be
0: 2 to 3. Fair. Yeah, not just says. through our
1: neighbor on the cliff. Not just through yeah. your uncle that says the first Sunday of every month is firing. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true.
0: <laughs> but he believes it so it's true. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, I feel that. Um there is a level of just kind of being able to notice those kind of things that are coming up whether they're coming from either place of more ethereal like yeah. kind of um unknown reason versus like maybe the science behind it but i'm um, listening to it because i think if you hear a lot of people talk about stories where things go wrong they're usually the precursor to the story is like i kind of knew i shouldn't have and it's very interesting that that does t- typically happen yes. where there's people that are going against that natural kind of first yes. thought of what they should or shouldn't do so i guess it's tapping more into that Yes, which I don't know how much we always get that experience. I feel like with your career right now, you're doing a lot of that because in a lot of ways, you're taking care of a lot of people. It's not just you going out and deciding whether or not to surf, fish, you know, dive, any of those things. Like in a lot of the capacities with your jobs, you are actually taking care of a lot of people too. Oh
1: man, that's that's a great point. I was actually just going to say that was when you take the next step, from just recreation or fun or escape and you do it maybe even if it's not professional like you're getting paid but maybe you're looking after a niece or nephew yeah there's someone else's life at stake there's someone else's you care about at stake yeah if you see that entry point or exit point where you would usually go with your surfboard can your little nephew follow you're not going surfing today yeah. <laughs> <You know laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? it's just something yeah you notice you start noticing other things other gives so I, I think maybe it's as as adults, maybe we're getting wiser, maybe it's the animal in us. Yeah. I don't know. I but I I do know that, the ones that continue to keep attaining or chasing, aren't just listening to one direction. Hmm. They're listening to their spiritual side. They're listening to their their scientific side, yeah. their physical side. You know, they're listening to more than one or opening
0: more than one door. However yeah. You want to put it. No, things are very much interconnected. So I totally believe that. Um, yeah. And that makes me curious now thinking about you with, um, just taking care of so many people. Have you had any experiences where things got really dicey because you're, I don't know how often you have people that are really just like not experienced and probably shouldn't be out there. Yeah. Especially from the adult standpoint, cause kids, I'm sure you're like teaching them more than anything, it's but actually
1: easier to deal with kids. That no less than adult, adults. Interesting. They don't want to admit it.
0: Is it because of the ego?
1: Ego. Oh, man, everything. <laughs> adults can just be difficult.
0: Really? Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, say they have a certification, their name's on it. They can do whatever they want. Mm. As the professional asking them, please don't go into the cave. It's gnarly, there is surge. That can push you in farther and drag you out, like trying yeah. to explain these situations. But once people go in the ocean on scuba, you can't verbally talk anymore. Oh, yeah. So it's really hard to herd cats.
0: And you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it sounds like have you ever had to do like a serious kind of like rescue for the, one of those yep. folks? Like. Oh, yeah. Can you, it doesn't, you know, obviously you don't need to share any names or give away who it might be. There's but. so many now, I, I don't have names. Like. <laughs> but can you, is there like a standout story where there's just... Uh,
1: one I remember pretty well, it happened a couple of years ago now, I was actually working on the day boat out of Mission Bay. So we will dive the Yukon, the wreck, right off Mission Bay. Usually the first first dive of the day, it's about 100 feet, so you get the deep dive out of the way. And yeah. we go to Point Loma Kelp, so we'll go dive some kelp forest. And we like to look for life, I, I do. And uh, use a lot of times I'm guiding photographers and they're looking for a specific animal, spe- specific lighting, certain things. And they just want me as the guide to get them back to the boat safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular case, <clears throat> it's what I would call a Christmas diver situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people get gifts on Christmas and a lot of scuba divers. Scuba diving is an expensive sport. Yeah. So you can be getting gifts all the time if you're into scuba diving and you'll always use those gifts. But the funny thing after Christmas is everyone wants to attach them to their scuba unit So they're diving with all these weird things that are just getting in their way. They don't need it It is a cool option to have But you don't need it Oh, you have two cameras cool. You can't even focus on one You should, you should practice your diving before getting the GoPro. Everyone just wants the GoPro They, they get scuba certified so they can GoPro a fish underwater they don't do it because of scuba diving. You can do it for the rest of your life around the world whenever you want. Yeah, they just want that video in Hawaii.
0: <laughs> and that's so true about so much. People are doing things for the the video or the photo. It's yes. really actually sad when you put it that way.
1: Yes. Um, it, it's.
0: But the Christmas, the Christmas story. Oh, the Christmas story. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still waiting direction. for what yeah. happened. <laughs> so
1: uh, it was a couple, uh, not from California. Now most California divers I consider higher. Uh, In training our experience, uh, we have higher expectation of diving out here. You're not given a dive master when you go on a scuba dive. Hmm. You can rent one. Oh, okay. Anywhere else in the world. Anywhere else in the world. You're given a dive master because it covers liability. And it's just smarter. When you go to a different forest or mountain range in a different country, you ask the ranger about an animal to look out for, about a plant you should look out for. Yeah. You're not just finding out for yourself. <laughs> You're asking the locals. Yeah. So, uh, they'll give you a dive master who's essentially a leader and uh someone will keep you safe, right? Yeah. Awesome. Show you all the cool stuff. Oh, look, octopus. Ah, cool. <laughs> oh, look, fish. Uh, oh, turtle. You know, just they'll show you all the cool stuff. Sure. Um I was took this couple. We went in a It was a deeper dive. I would say 60 60 to 80 feet. And it was awesome. It's beautiful, clear. So we had at least 40-foot vids. Big deal. Oh, that is. Yeah. Um, we were on a, uh, a reef that was pretty clear of kelp. We had just left the kelp, and we were just kind of climbing this reef. And I was doing my regular routine of asking how much air you have. Uh, his wife, very attentive, uh, was very quick with the response. And I remember her telling me something, you know, 1,600 psi. Enough time. To where we're gonna start heading, to our safety stop. I look at the husband, and I—I I should have known this, cause again, but it's hard to—it's easier to say this now. But I asked him his air, and he just mimicked what she said. And I ah. even remember saying, "Wow, it's convenient. Yeah, it's too good to be true." Mm. This is what we call—he had gotten narked, nitrogen narcosis. It's kind of like. Uh, having a few drinks, you get aloof about a few things. Like, oh, where are your keys? Oh, I set them on some table surface. Yeah. You're not plastered. You're just forgetful. If you get narked at depth, you can do certain things forget what you're doing,
0: hmm.
1: not be able to communicate. Some people just start swimming away. Uh, he just okay. was kind of blank or um, space cadet, right? Just, yeah. Uh, but he, he knew enough to say exactly what she did. Um, 1,600 PSI. Told me exactly. I was like, okay, cool. Climbing the reef, I ended up turning around, and he started going to the surface. You never shoot to the surface, right? Uh, You don't want to do this. You want to have an opportunity to off-gas, allow nitrogen to escape your body so you don't get the bends. Now, the bends is too much nitrogen in your body, and it will actually get into your joints, and it can't escape your joints with these small uh, bubbles, and it will actually... Inflame or grow bigger when you come to gravity, right? Not yeah. as much pressure. Bad for you. No bueno. No, bueno, no. <laughs> we don't want to go to the chamber. Um, there's a lot more science behind all that I just said.
0: No, I'm with you. No, <laughs> it's good. I,
1: I said it very simply. I think.
0: Yeah, no, you <laughs> did. I'm correct. with you. Yeah.
1: But um, they just—he decided to shoot without me. So I, I communicated to the wife to start coming up, but stay slow and keep her eyes on me. I grabbed him, slowed him down, checked his PSI, and realized he had pretty much nothing left. He was under 500 now. You want to leave 500 at all times, and we were still oh, had gee. probably 15. No, yeah, 15 minutes left in the dive, and he's shooting the surface. So I had to take control of the situation, giving him my air, my O2, my backup air, and ending the dive. Still having to do a safety stop, so 15 feet, three minutes to allow. The last opportunity for the nitrogen to escape your body. So three minutes there, minimum, and then get to the surface. At this point he had no more air, so he couldn't fill his BCD. So you have him manually inflate it or I do. So <laughs> again, that's just one scenario. Wow. Um it happens, but I feel lucky because of where I got trained. I got overtrained. Mm-hmm. I'm trained to look out for these things. Yeah. Um I knew how to handle the situation. And then the t- company I worked for, very professional and right when I hit the surface, we're on it. Yeah. They knew to communicate with me, and I brought them back to the boat, and we dealt with the situation. Yeah, I feel very lucky. I, I when I ask people if they've had bad experiences, they're either so bad they can't talk about it mm. because they weren't all those things I just listed with good company, good training, all that, or they've never had them. So that's even scarier to me. You're a professional in this field, yeah. and you what you won't know what to do in this scenario. You have no experience in this situation
0: yeah because I'm, I'm thinking that all yeah obviously i've not been trained but <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> that's what i'm here for <laughs> exactly but um but to have that moment that you just explained that when you realized what was happening right when you realize yes. what he just did was copying and yes. um nitrogen levels um what did you get he got narked um is how you worded it but um you have to stay so calm and yes. there, like that to me is an incredible thought to have because it's a moment of Really, that most people would panic under. Yeah. Um, but you have to stay calm in order to kind of handle the situation. Did, has that always been something for, that you've had in your life, that demeanor? Or is that something that you also trained in regards to just your career in the ocean?
1: I think, I think the thing that allows me to stay calm and, and focused is more, I like to call it more big brother syndrome. Hmm. I want to help people. I was raised in a tight family where we were very close, and I was tough on my siblings, but now they're tougher. (laughs) I feel like I did good as an (laughs) older brother. Um, I actually just get really nervous, like, before a soccer game, like, really nervous, couldn't eat breakfast and stuff. Um, I I can get pretty anxious, but, again, it's not always – the situ- I feel lucky with the training, yeah. so I can always go back on that. And your ability, yeah. knowing your own ability, not saying that you're not able. How do you feel about it? That's why athletes are so comfortable and confident with their bodies, because they're using them every day. It's not that everyone can't. Most yogis are very in tune with their bodies. Surfers, I love seeing this more social media stuff of watching them actually work out, not surfing. People don't realize they do more, as I say, off the pitch, you know, out of the water. Yeah. They're doing a lot more than just the paddling and riding and treading. Um,
0: as much as we want to do it all the time.
1: Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, they have confidence in the, their body and their ability. If they get pulled under on that big wave, they can hold their breath and fight to get out and get back on that ski
0: yeah it's it's funny because I've never had like a massive massive hold down by any means. but there's like and I'm sure you had to do this with your training, but it's like incremental, right It's like you have these experiences these are you know experiential learning that you've had throughout your history, but it's like you kind of experience a situation that's scary that's you know could potentially provoke panic. and then once you have that, experienced and it's like okay it happens again you have a little bit better of an understanding of what to do you've yes. done it before and that's what's funny about even surfing for me um from that side of it is that you're constantly like finding that that edge that line where you can kind of continue to touch upon the fear and the mm-hmm. potential kind of like out of my comfort zone but you're continually learning because yes. as you're touching on that you are kind of igniting that like hot, you know heart rate's going up yeah. like you're like this is new territory and yep. But, um, that's, what's interesting to me, even with hold downs and like, do you, how do you incrementally get to even a hold down? Um, but I guess with just learning how to just hold your breath and have Did that you really first initial, know? yeah. Did you, have you had one? Like, a- Oh, I've
1: had a hold down, but not, I wouldn't compare it to big wave riders. Yeah. That's but kind of
0: what I'm thinking, but.
1: I do free diving.
0: Okay. So if you yeah.
1: truly are interested, I recommend doing some free dive training. Yeah. Get those certs you can practice your static breath hold. So you're learning, learning again, more about your body and its abilities about how much you can hold your breath yeah, and, the, and how your body respond, responds. It's incredible.
0: Well, so I, I teach yoga yes. and what's interesting is that what I've found is actually with, and I do a lot of breath work and we yes. call it pranayama, but we will do breath holds either with in, in, inhale or an exhale. And I find it's really interesting what starts happening in my mind with the exhale holds. So meaning I'm in complete empty and I'm supposed to hold and we'll do really interesting movements where you're like pumping the belly up and in as you're holding and you're like using your arms. You're already
1: doing it pretty much. I
0: I know, but it's, what's funny is that I have this like moment of just like really negative self-talk and panic because it's just like, I don't, yeah, it's, so it's very interesting how, um, I just feel like I can't, even though I know I can't. It's yeah. ridiculous. And I'm just like, Christine, you're, it's only five seconds so far. Yeah. You can there, do yeah. this. But it's such a mind game. It's wow. such a mind game to me, breath work.
1: I think that's so interesting because I'll actually, I notice this in scuba divers. Mm. I notice breathing. If there's a lot of bubbles, you're very nervous. You're so nervous. Mm. And keep eyes on you. Right? Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but another thing, like you just said, you, the the release of air, the, pre- the pushing out you're starting to feel these negative things almost. Yeah. In scuba, that's very interesting you say that. A lot of new divers are afraid to release all their air. If you think about it, you're leaving where you know you can breathe. You're going down to the moon right now where you can't breathe what they breathe down there. Yeah. And you're leaving it. So your body sounds like this. You won't release all that air. And then air spaces Mm. matter in in scuba. If you have too much air in your body, it's hard to sink and they'll just stay at the surface and I'll be like, ah, they're not releasing. (laughs) It's just interesting. They don't have comfortable or confidence in their body in this new scenario yet.
0: Yet. Yet. Yes. And it's there. It's just, I think it's like you even said, there's that kind of fear of the unknown and fear of kind of, yeah, when you, I feel like when you're on empty, it's feeling like a complete depression depletion and it's the scary moment of just existing with nothing Yes. and even though even though we're capable of it to a certain degree yeah so it's um but it's it's it's, it's there's a reason it's a practice to yes. do it so um but i think it's pretty important for a lot of of activities any anyone that's just in the ocean to have some ability to i think be in tune to their bodies breath work yes all of that maybe not everyone does but i think it would be like you're really saying important. That data
1: collecting yeah. um or another word i like to say is uh adding tools to the tool belt sure mastering new things yeah um yeah i agree everyone should be doing it for everything in their lives yeah. especially watermen and sea people
0: oh yeah <laughs>
1: the mer people <laughs> you'd hope the but folk.
0: it's just like because uh, i'm a nurse and um you ex- expect doctors and nurses to also be really healthy and we don't always find that either so it is funny when you're in the realm you're like you should you should be eating and exercising your
1: calories and they're drinking a diet coke and you're like
0: meanwhile they are also in the obesity bmi scale and you're like well that that feels not right but um sometimes our systems are are a little flawed so we have to (laughs) work towards that but um uh switching gears a little bit but um your family is from Ireland. Yes. Yes. And I just um, would love to kind of get into it a little bit. But um, I read a book. I don't know if I actually mentioned this to you before, but it's called Saltwater in the Blood by Eske Brighton. And okay. she's a female uh, big wave surfer from Ireland. All right.
1: Yes. Oh, I- I need th- this sounds great. She's she's oh amazing. God,
0: sign me up. She, she is. But something I found interesting in what she talked about, and I cannot actually remember off the top of my head exactly where she was from in Ireland, but it was near one of the bigger waves. Uh, but Denigal. that, yeah, Denigal. exactly. Yes, <laughs> Um That that in Ireland, especially the older generations, that there's a lot of fear of the ocean. That it's this harsh place where people have died, and you know it's. It's not necessarily this place of play, of um inspiration, of you know, healing. It's it's quite looked at as the opposite. Um so have you noticed that in your family in Ireland, or is that something that
1: uh, this is such a cool topic. Oh my gosh. Um you'll love this. So seeing it from my eyes. Yeah, a Californian. I grew up yeah. I with Irish my Irish dad speaking Irish to me in Gaelic. Yeah. As Irish as gets, I, as, as it can get, all right? Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up around the beach. I grew up around the waves, snorkeling, surfing early. And then, like, just I got that confidence in the ocean. I loved it. You couldn't take me out. Ireland is totally different. What they call jumping in the ocean is what we would call a dip, right? They go to the beach... Get out their wellies, get out their towels, you know, (laughs) lay it out. I want to go on for a dip. No, Brendan. Oh, don't mind me. I'll be right behind you. And then we'll run down, jump in, (gasps) jump right back out. And that's it. That was it. I got made fun of. So I was probably one of the first kids wearing a wetsuit there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, me and my brother, we had matching blue with neon yellow sleeves. Love it. Probably Old Navy or something. <laughs> I don't even know what brand they are. I don't were. know.
0: Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Old they, Navy. Yeah. I don't, Navy. I don't know. Maybe they were
1: Targets. I don't even know. It's it probably Body Glove. <laughs> neon, shame. Neon shame. Um, but we got made fun of. Everyone's coming up, pointing at us, blah, blah, blah. Not even five, six years later, my aunties have them. So like, things are
0: changing six, from oh, that change, standpoint.
1: It is changing. Yeah. Um, so just something like I thought about when every time I go back is opportunity. What I can bring to the table coming from California, from the States. What I've learned professionally. Could I bring it home? Uh, We have JGs in California, junior guards. Yeah. Super cool, amazing program for young people to learn confidence in the ocean, confidence in themselves and more. Yeah. Nothing like that in Ireland. Nothing. You know how many drownings happen in Ireland? I don't. Way too many.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that's why there's very amounts. Yeah.
1: Not everyone is encouraged to learn swimming at a young age. Not like how Californians, again, many Americans, not all, but many are encouraged to swim. Yeah. We're all taught that Californians. We're back to the ocean. We want to swim. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's sunny. It's warm. <laughs> exactly. More or less.
1: Most of us. Yeah. Um, so it's a sad topic. It's super sad. Yeah. Um, the fishermen, each village, had a sweater. You've you've heard of the Irish wool sweater. Yeah. Yes. Aran Island sweater, right? <laughs> yeah. Each village had its own knot. Mm. So, so the, the, the stitching down it yeah. would be different according to each village. The fishermen would go out, and during bad storms and everything, if anyone went missing, presumed dead. Mm. And that was at every fishing village. Now, if a body washed up on shore... You could find the sweater and you knew which village he was from. If he survived, the Irish saying goes, is he's living on borrowed time. Hmm. He's meant to pass on. There's this weird mystery connection with the ocean.
0: Oh, like if there's a near-miss drowning.
1: If you survive the drowning, you're supposed to die. You're living on borrowed time. You're going to die soon.
0: How spooky, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. And um, that's kind of mind-boggling. So there's just kind of, why even go out and fish? Why have anybody go in the water if that's the outlook on it, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, One, obviously, plentiful resource. Sure. But later on, it came down to they didn't have much else. Sure. So that was a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, It's just interesting when you look back to the old Irish folklore. You know, just like any culture, the Greeks and the Norse, there are old Irish gods as well. Much older. Uh, they talk about these different um, invasions. Now these are just different people coming to an island country. Yeah. We weren't explorers like the Polynesian people, their tribes, and they would travel to other islands and make maps. They actually weren't like that.
0: Or Vikings even. You know, right? Or the
1: Vikings. But first yeah. the Vikings would just go along the coastline. They didn't they weren't crossing oceans at yeah. one point. Yeah. When they got to Ireland they were. But <laughs> <laughs> but we weren't doing that kind of stuff. So a lot of our whole history is groups of people coming in. So if you look at it like that the ocean is a road for others to come at you. So there's a lot of interesting perspective Mm -hmm. on the ocean which is something intrigues me and I would love to continue with my own passions and, 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 and direction in life is the connection of Ireland California and the ocean. And trying to, I don't know about modernize is the right word, but pass on knowledge, incorporate old folklore with new knowledge. You know, surfing is blowing up in Ireland now.
0: Yeah, I I think it really is, especially from the book that I was reading. It seems like it's more of the older generations that still look at the ocean in that way or still have that kind of vantage and narrative that it's this place of kind of fear, danger. Yeah, bad juju. And then kind of the youth are actually breaking that narrative. And like you, what yes. you're saying is kind of, no, keeping Gaelic and the heritage, keeping an important aspect, yes. which I think is beautiful. And I think I see that happening in a resurgency in like Hawaii from what mm-hmm. I've read on that as well, um, is bringing back the importance of a culture that, yes. you know, in the roots. Um, but like you said, it's like something like the junior lifeguards, like having something that opens up the accessibility of what is potentially open to the youth there yes. and it's there's endless possibilities oh, yeah. um and that's what's actually really beautiful do you know if if is that a, just more of a goal that you're saying now or is there like something in the works
1: nothing's in the works yet okay. um it i've i just got, actually got back to california two months ago after being in ireland for three and a half months and it was just it was incredible getting to know the local area um different from where i grew up going as a kid mm-hmm. so it's a little different but it's on the coast. Yeah. I could surf. I could ride horses on the beach, hike on mountains overlooking um, these old, legendary, just island landscapes. It is incredible. But I see opportunity. And I would love one day to own companies, both in California and in Ireland. If it's just a youth program, I don't care. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it would be so
0: cool. I so hope to see that. Yeah. I'm, like, full supporting. That's fabulous. Yeah.
1: And I, and I can incorporate the fishermen, the Coast Guard, the local. Now now we have uh, International Irish Surf Team. They're coming up.
0: Very yeah. nice. Yeah,
1: that, yeah. They're coming through.
0: Something that just um, came to mind. Do you guys have lifeguards on any of your beaches in Ireland?
1: Uh, we do, but only during, like, the summer. Okay. And honestly, they're, like, high school kids. Really? They're not, like, freaking Byron Bay- Masculine jocks, <laughs> sexmeisters—you know—running around, right? No, they're not. Yeah. They're not their San Diego beefcakes. They're not your Byron Bay boys. You know, they're not the <laughs> the legendary lifeguards. But I think the fact that they are providing it during summer, yeah, is better. Big. And I like—they're really big with the flag system there. Okay. So if it, if it's heavy winds, if it's heavy storms, there's a certain flag that will come up, and the, the Irish are getting better at reading the flags and not just going out to the beach and getting taken away by a wave.
0: Yeah, no, and I think, um, yeah, so seeing that kind of change and like the importance of having a lifeguard and um, bringing that sense of safety, especially with the past and the history and the roots um, that Ireland has in regards to looking at the ocean is important. But yeah, I see so much with uh, your history of kind of working with the youth, how it's affected your life and your roots, your family and being able to kind of tie that together. I think that that's a really sweet spot I really
1: oh, hope yeah. that. No, I, I only see happening. bueno. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I guess I'll, that's, I, I feel like such a good place to end. The last thing I'll say is that, um, is there anything else that's inspiring you? I know you're getting your captains or you're trying to oh, get yeah. your captain's license. i for my
1: captain's license, my 100 tons. So yeah. I could run and operate my own boats and decent sized. And uh, again, I only see opportunity yeah keep working for the companies i like and then eventually start my own yeah and again like you said i'll be connected to the ocean for a very long time not to pull me away
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I don't doubt it well i'm very excited to see where where all of this leads for you Heck yeah! again thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me (laughs) yeah (laughs) fun thank you for listening to this episode of the saltwater stories hosted by me christine kent if you enjoyed this episode, please share and like, follow, and or subscribe to wherever you're listening in today. If you think there are saltwater stories out there worth sharing on this podcast that I've yet to explore, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on my Instagram at the Saltwater Stories.